0: Welcome to CFA's podcast. Today, we're talking about the fixed income markets and the economic outlook after the Federal Reserve made the announcement that they would raise interest rates. I'm Michael Hedstrom, the director of the Closed End Fund Association, and I'm pleased to have John Bellows from Western Asset with us. Western Asset is a global fixed income manager with over 425 billion in assets under management and an independent affiliate of Lake Mason. John is a portfolio manager, and a member of the firm's U.S. Broad Strategy Committee and the Global Investment Strategy Committee. Prior to joining Western Asset, John served in high-level advisory positions with the U.S. Department of Treasury. He has a Ph.D. in economics and also holds the CFA designation. John, thank you for being with us today. It's always good to hear your thoughts and comments, and I appreciate you taking the time. Thank you. Happy to talk with you. Let's start with a topic that's making headlines this week. What changed over the last few weeks to drive the Fed to raise interest rates? You know, I think you're asking exactly the right question.
1: Remember, a few weeks ago, most people thought the Fed would hike in June, and they ended up hiking in March, so three months earlier than most people expected. I think what changed in order to cause them to pull their hike forward was financial conditions loosened considerably. If you think about the month of February, it's a pretty impressive month. Stocks were up 5%, bond yields were lower, corporate borrowing rates were lower, And I think the Fed was responding to that loosening in financial conditions by offsetting some of that with tighter monetary conditions. So I do think it was financial conditions related rather than a significant change in the economic outlook. And in fact, yesterday at her press conference, Janet Yellen said as much. She said there had been virtually no change, those were her words, in the economic outlook. So I do think this was more of financial conditions motivated hike and less to do with anything in the economic data.
0: There seems to be more optimism on the global recovery front. Does the economic outlook call for more optimism, or are we facing some potential headwinds? What is Western's view going forward?
1: You're absolutely right. There's some more optimism. I, I think the data has been clear. We are in somewhat of a cyclical surge. You know, the employment report last week was strong. You've seen very good sentiment surveys, the ISM surveys, and consumer sentiment, and you're starting to see that show up in the hard data as well. So I do think we've seen some better economic growth, you know, kind of cyclically, it does look a little bit better. That said, I think the headwinds are all still there, and they're things that we've talked about and we've discussed as a investing community a lot over the last few years. They include demographic headwinds, uh, low productivity, kind of the very low investment levels that we've seen in the corporate sector. And so while there's no question a cyclical surge is showing up in the data, it still could be the case that the secular environment is one of sluggish growth, and those headwinds are going to persist. So you know, we're optimistic that the cyclical surge is going to be beneficial for corporate credit, maybe for emerging markets as well. Um, But I think you need to be very thoughtful about those longer-term secular trends and, and watch how those play out as well.
0: And, John, I know you believe that it's important to distinguish between the credit cycle and the business cycle, which are usually very highly correlated. Can you elaborate on this, and what are your thoughts on the credit cycle?
1: Michael, you're right. Usually the credit cycle and the business cycle are very highly correlated. One interesting thing, though, is we've gone through in the last few years, we've gone through a mini credit cycle without any change in the business cycle. So the last few years would be one of those rare examples where the two have been disconnected. In particular, you know, starting in mid-2014, spreads on corporate credit started widening, which is to say corporate bond prices fell relative to what was happening in treasuries. And that persisted until it came to a head in the first six weeks of 2016 with those spreads widening a lot. And then, of course, after that widening and starting in March of 2016, spreads then tightened and are now close to but not quite back to where they were in mid-2014. So over the last few years, even though the business cycle has been ongoing, we have seen a credit cycle and we've seen how that can play out. I think going forward, you know what we see now is that spreads have obviously come in from where they were around this time last year. You know they're still somewhat wider than they were in mid two thousand and fourteen, and so I think there's less of a question about is there a disconnect between the credit cycle and the business cycle. I think we're back to kind of the normal thing of evaluating where we are in the business cycle on that front, as I said, I think we're we're fairly optimistic. you know the cyclical surge that we're seeing in the data is positive at the same time, we're fairly encouraged by the recovery in corporate earnings. We think the debt dynamics aren't too problematic on the corporate side. So now that we've been through this mini credit cycle, I think you I think you can rely more on the business cycle analysis going forward. And like I said, we're we're fairly optimistic there, which is reflected in our portfolios. We do have overweights in corporate credit and as I said in emerging markets, reflecting that optimism on
0: on where we are in the business cycle. When you spoke at the CFI Advisor Summit event in Beverly Hills last month, you shared some thoughts on portfolio construction and the continued need to diversify strategies. Can you talk about what your outlook means for investors going forward and what they should keep in mind
1: Yeah, you know the message at the CFA Advisor Summit in Beverly Hills was the importance of diversification, thinking about the portfolio as a whole and making sure that you had some positions that were offsetting some ballast in the portfolio. For us, that's usually been uh, U.S. Treasuries and having a little bit of additional interest rate risk. You know, I just mentioned a moment ago how we do have overweights in credit, emerging markets. Uh, I think those will do well in an environment of continued global growth, continued recovery in corporate earnings.
0: But I'd also say that
1: those are positions that I think are, are pretty heavily owned at the moment. And it raises the question of what would happen if things don't play out exactly as we expect. You know, there's a lot of different pitfalls or a lot of different things that could happen, including a slowdown in global growth. Maybe the new administration underdelivers delivers on some of their policies. China could have a wobble. There's a long list of, of obviously things that could go wrong. And if any of those were to happen, we want to have something else in our portfolio that would outperform in that in that situation. And so for us, that's been U.S. Treasuries. And, you know, we think that makes a very nice combination, a very effective combination against the the credit positions. I think the other thing I'd say about U.S. Treasuries is that, you know, there's a very strong view in the market. I I, I almost say it's a consensus view that interest rates, interest yields need to go higher. Uh, You can see that in positioning. There's a lot of people who have shorted interest rates in order to express that consensus view. And we just haven't been willing to join that consensus. You know, we're more comfortable having interest rate risk as a ballast. And again, if the consensus is wrong, those positions could be very valuable to us. So we think the portfolio construction is still the most important thing to be thinking about, and in particular, the diversification in portfolios. We do have credit. We do have emerging markets. And then against
0: that, uh, you know, we think there's a case to be made to have some interest rate risk in portfolios as well. Any additional comments for investors and advisors as it relates to the impact and outlook for closed down funds specifically?
1: You know, it continues to be a pretty pretty dynamic period, you know, lots of lots of events going on, a lot of um you know changes especially with the economic uh data having turned somewhat and and the optimism that you hear and then combined with the political noise and the headline risk. So, you know, it continues to be a very Dynamic and, and volatile time. It's one in which I think diversification benefits you. Having a very active approach benefits you. And you know we remain pretty optimistic. I think it's a good time to be in markets, and um, you know we think there's a lot of opportunity right now.
0: Thank you, John. I'm glad that you could join our podcast today. We appreciated the overview and your perspective. Good. Thank you. I appreciate it. You can find more insight from Western Asset on their website at westernasset.com as well as information about the closed-down funds on the Legg Mason website at legmason.com. I also encourage you to visit cifa.com, which is your comprehensive resource for education, data, and timely insight on closed-down funds. Thank you all for listening. Have a great day.